When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In everybody, Patriots postgame show. John Zanis, Evan Lazar, Patriots with a snoozer. An easy one, Evan. An easy one. And uh, this game felt like another time. Another example of two things. One, nobody should ever be selling themselves on Sam Darnold as their franchise quarterback. And two, you see Bill Belichick defensively starting to figure out his personnel and starting to figure out what the best way to deploy his defense is this year versus what maybe it would have been over the last couple of years. They play more man coverage in the back end for years here in New England. That's been the MO, but now they don't have Stephon Gilmore. They don't have the man coverage talent that maybe they had once before. So playing more zone and adjusting to your personnel defensively. And we're starting to see that take off. Yeah. Ra- raise your hand. If, if you wanted to take a flyer on Sam Darnold this off season, <laughs> I did. I, I, you know why I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for that redraft, you know, type of thing. I'm a sucker for the guy drafted with a high pedigree, went to the worst possible situation right. and bring him in somewhere where there's some competent people and uh Buffalo, Buffalo lost. Unreal. Um, bring it, bring him in somewhere in a, in a, in a, in a good learning environment and watch them take off. I wanted to take that flyer, uh, on Darnold if it was possible. Sure. Nope. 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 No, no, not a, I, this guy won't have a job next year. Um, this is a bad quarterback. So this is, this is again one of those questions of, for the Patriots trying to assess. Uh, you know, who are they, you know, yeah. and it, it's hard again because, you know, Carolina might've looked like one thing early in the year and what they look like now is totally different. So it's again, did they do anything here? Did they accomplish anything? Is this defensive, uh, you know, is what they did here defensively matter? Does it, you know, does it hold up against a good team? Cause this is, this is a really bad offense. I mean, they had about 60 yards of total offense in the first half. And honestly, you kind of felt at first, I thought I was really frustrated with the Patriots. They were playing so conservatively that yeah. I thought they were leaving it open at 14, six there. It felt like the Patriots were just playing too conservatively, really worried about that pass rush, possibly turning the ball over their offensive line, not holding up Mac, not looking great. I thought that was going to open the door potentially for, you know, Carolina to pop up a couple of plays uh it turns out not it turns out conservative was the right game plan because Carolina I think could have played eight quarters here and not scored more than nine 12 points they so again how much you given the Pats defense how much you given the bad offense I give the Patriots defense a lot of credit because this Bill Belichick adaptation if you want to call it that 
to play more zone coverage in the back end and not put guys look you don't have Gilmore anymore Jonathan Jones is on injured reserve he's out for the year Jason McCourty's in Miami uh, JC Jackson's your best cornerback he can be inconsistent at times as, as kind of a gambler and man coverage as well so you don't have the cover talent in the back end to sit and cover one man-to-man for four quarters like the Patriots have been doing when Gilmore was here as their number one corner. So what a, what have they done? They've adjusted, and they've found a foundation now, a way to be able to play good defense and take away big plays in the passing game by playing more zone coverage, especially on first and second down. They're taking all those shot plays away forcing the quarterback to check the football down and just rallying and coming up and rallying and making those tackles. And then you also look at the production that they're getting out of their defensive line and out of that pass rush. And if you're going to play zone coverage in the back end and you're not going to play zone blitz, which the Patriots are, they're not really blitzing out of the zone. They're playing mostly straight up zone coverage or zone match coverage in the back end. And if you're going to do that, then you have to generate pressure with your front four. You have to be able to get home with four-man rushes. And because of Matt Judon, because of Christian Barmore, obviously, the Patriots have been able to develop a pass rush defensively as well with those four-man rushes with seven guys playing in the back end in zone, and they pass those things off in the middle of the field or they match it vertically up the field in zone match, and they're able to take away big plays this way. And they're not – they're in a lot of ways – I. I would say they're kind of hiding some of their their guys in the secondary a little bit more by doing it this way because it's a lot of disguise. It's a lot of post-snap decision-making for the opposing quarterback, which is why Sam Darnold struggled so much today because he's not the type of guy that is very good at that, right? If you start spinning the dial on Sam Darnold, as we know, he gets confused, he gets flustered, and he doesn't know where to go with the football. So they have a bunch of guys in this secondary – from Jalen Mills to Miles Bryant to Devin McCourty to Adrian Phillips to Kyle Duggar that maybe aren't the best man-to-man coverage players, but they're very, very versatile players. And they can play multiple different roles in zone. They can play low, they can play high, they can play outside, they can play inside. And you're able to move it around and kind of muddy it up, muddy that picture for the quarterback. And then you also get J.C. Jackson back there, who's one of the better ball hawks in the NFL. So it, it also helps J.C. that he gets to look at the quarterback a lot more and go right. for those interceptions in zone. So they're getting a lot more production out of this defense and taking away big plays by playing zone in the back end, getting that four-man rush with Barmore and Judon going, and it's it's working. So – you stack that together, whether it's against uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers or it's against Sam Darnold, you start building this foundation. You get better and better and better at the game plan or, or at the schemes that they're running, and then you can start to see this defense really take off. Yeah, and so, again, that's what you've got. Um, you've strung together some wins now, so five and four. Uh, you're in the game here right now uh, as far as this team goes. Uh, offensively, um, again, uh, kind of – you know, mixed bag. Um, you do want to, I liked seeing some of the, what we saw there. And you certainly, the guys on the right side were clearing out some holes. We got some good stuff, uh, in the run game. Yeah. Uh, they had a hundred yards at the half. And honestly, I think could have kept pounding it if they wanted to, uh, there, uh, throughout production from all three backs, which was crazy. Um, you know, because 
you know, Bolden looks like a new man. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just looks like he's moving better than he was earlier yeah. in the season. Uh, a yeah. little bit more burst. He obviously made some big plays there, but you got something out of Stevenson, a pretty good three headed attack. We're going to talk about two of them getting dinged up, which isn't great. So we'll see, uh, about that. Uh, but again, it's just, you know, that offensive line not holding up and immediately going away from exposing Mac Jones to anything made them uber, uber conservative again. So I don't mean to nitpick on the bad stuff, but again, you want to continue to see that progress for Mac and the passing offense. And it's not, there's nothing there. You know, I mean, almost nothing to wide receivers today at all. Uh, very little involvement, uh, you know, very, very little vertical action in the passing game, uh, you know, from, from Mac and the Patriots, which, is sustainable in a game like this, but again, you're going to need to see, you're going to need to see something here. And we, we, we definitely didn't see it today. It felt like a little bit of a step back. Yeah. And in a, I'm, I'm not usually one that's so gung ho about what I'm about to say, but in a way, Bill Belichick is getting what he wanted and what he envisioned coming into the season. They did not envision Mac Jones to carry the Patriots in his rookie season. They nope. did not think that he the game was going to be on his shoulders and he was going to carry the team on his back this early on in his career. They wanted to play good defense. They wanted to run the ball and they wanted to sprinkle in the pass and throw the ball effectively on third down and in the red area to score points. But most importantly, they were going to be a team that won with complementary football, that won with pretty much everything around the rookie quarterback propping up Mac Jones. And over the last two weeks, I would certainly say that we have seen that formula more so than the Mac is putting the team on his back and throwing for 300 yards formula. So in a way, is it sustainable against good teams or better teams? I should say that remains to be seen, I I suppose, but I I do think that you're going to get better performances out of Mac Jones than what he's had over the last couple of weeks. And if the defense and the special teams and the running game and some of the other elements of this team can carry him through some of these struggles in his rookie season, then the Patriots are obviously going to win a lot more football games that way because he was not going to come in as a rookie and play 17 perfect games, right? It just wasn't going to happen. So the fact that he's able to – have some of these games where he's not as sharp as others and the Patriots are still able to win the football game with other parts of their team it is really what the Patriots were hoping for coming into the year. And the the, the concern that I had out of Mac today were the two turnovers. Uh, the first one, it looked like he had Brandon Bolden open over the middle against the blitz and didn't get the football out right away. And that was why Brian Burns was able to finally get in and get that strip sack. This interception by Stephon Gilmore is a great play by Gilmore, but there's no way you should throw that football, right? No. It's just a bad read and a bad yeah. decision because Gilmore beat him. To he, the he, took the, he took the route away from him completely. It was never right. there. Yeah, It was never there. You got yeah. to just eat that one or not throw it there and yeah. move on. So you have the two turnovers. Those were killer. And I think the one thing that Bill Belichick will continue to mention uh, with the passing game as a whole is consistency because you do see flashes – of good moments from this passing attack. You do see some downfield presence, like on the wheel route to Brandon Bolden and Hunter Henry gets involved with a touchdown and a key third down conversion. And they find Ramondre Stevenson coming out of the backfield for 41 yards. So some of the flashes in the passing game are there, but the consistency as a whole is not there. Maybe that volatility has something to do with the fact that it is a rookie quarterback that's pulling the trigger. 
Yeah, and it's again, it's a, you know, uh, you had Wynn obviously there, kind of looked like he missed a block assignment. I couldn't tell if he thought Henry was supposed to block outside and he just didn't turn until yeah. late. I'm not really sure what happened there, but certainly some inconsistency from him. You really want to see him button it up, um, you know, because it did feel like they were um, – last couple of games moving in a, in the right direction with that O-line combo. Uh, and this felt again, like another step back, which the trickle down effect off of that is so uh, profound in terms of the impact it has on the offense that uh, it, it really does kind of change the entire philosophy and what it is that they're, what they want to do. And it is amazing how, skittish the Patriots get when once they feel yeah. like it's not there for them. They really just went right throw, back into the bunker. Third and right 12, back in handoff. Draw play to Bolden. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um you know, and that was that 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 it was actually that exact play. And then I believe it was a pick six on the final on that next drive. Right. With Carolina driving. But again, that was the play to me, that third and twelve uh draw to Brandon Bolden, where it's like, guys, what are you doing? You're opening the door for them to come back. And Carolina did in fact drive it down the field and was in a position to score. But Darnold obviously gives one up there and JC, not Bethel, not Justin Bethel, as you might have heard on the game broadcast. Um not the all- best not the best game broadcast today from CBS. No. 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 It was it, rough. It, it looked like they did about six minutes of homework on this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Between the Justin Bethel's JC Jackson and, and him saying that Jacoby Myers was Mac Jones's go-to target in the red zone. I, I, we, we lost a little bit there. Archuleta also yeah. has a, has a knack for saying Judon instead of yeah. Judon. And yeah. I don't know, maybe we all have it wrong, but I haven't heard Judon. No. Um, no, no. Either, so. we should talk about some of the positives with the offense with the running backs though right because they do run for a season high was 150 no no doubt about it the, there, yeah. was, there were good things there you want to see that they can impose their will and i actually liked the pivot when they saw that the stuff wasn't going well and they're right. like screw it we're just going to hit you in the mouth and again right the the, the, the Panthers have guys on the edge who can kind of get pressure, but they're a little yeah. bit lighter. So it does make sense that you should take advantage of that. And they did. Yeah, it, it was great to see Josh McDaniels adjust a little bit here on the fly. And also, I thought he called a really good game to yeah. mitigate the speed of the Panthers defensively. Instead of seven-step drops with Mack in the pocket, you know, trying to go through a full-field progression with Burns and Reddick and these guys all coming at him, they were getting the ball out of his hands quickly. They were testing them out on the perimeter in the run game because those edges, as good as they are as pass rushers, Burns, uh, Reddick, these guys are a little bit undersized, right? They're not they're not Matt Judons. They're not 265-pound edge rushers. So these guys are a little bit smaller and a little bit more speed finesse type of guys. So they ran the football right at them on those toss plays. They actually got some productive toss plays, and I thought that opened up some of the runs on the inside because now you're starting to talk about balance. So in the run game, you're thinking about the toss, or you're thinking about the outside run. Maybe that opens up some of those inside runs as well. So you see some of the things that Josh McDaniels did in this game, calling the game, to protect the Patriots essentially from that pass rush. And I think once they saw the strip sack, that was it, right? At that point, he, they said, okay, we need to just make sure that that doesn't keep happening all game and this pass rush doesn't completely take this thing over because especially with the way that Sam Darnold was playing on the other side, 
it was pretty easy to see that the, if the Patriots didn't beat themselves in this game, that they were going to win this game pretty easily against the Panthers today. And the only thing that was holding them back from blowing them out in the first half was the turnover. bad penalties too. Right. I mean, so many procedural penalties. And again, this it's, so, uh, you know, the first half offensively started so bad with that stuff. I think it was, yeah. you know, a couple of false starts and uh, just stuff that, They've got to clean up. I, I, I don't get what's happening here with these miscommunications, the too many men, the procedural penalties, just a lot yeah. of, a lot of stuff that you just aren't used to with these guys. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's frustrating. Yeah, they, they, they cleaned some of the penalties up as the game wore on. They, they did, had, but they started they had, awful. Yeah. yeah. They had four penalties in the first 10 minutes of the game and they only had six for the entire game. So they only got called for two flags as the game wore on in the uh, quarters two through four, if you want to put it that way. So they were able to clean some of that up. I think the one thing that you see with Isaiah Wynn, because I, I know there's a lot of critiquing of Isaiah Wynn's uh, game out there right now and, Brian Burns' strip sack and his role in Brian Burns' strip sack. And I think when you look at that, that what win struggles with at times is when the defense is bringing pressure from the second level and they're walking guys up over the left side of the line, he has a difficult time processing who am I blocking and who, and who, who, who am I supposed to block, right? Because if they – you're taught to block inside out. So if they're going to blitz somebody over you from the inside, you got to block down and take the inside threat and force the guy to go around the arc and, and run all the way around the edge to get to the quarterback. The way that Hunter Henry engaged in that block, it looked to me like Wynn thought that Hunter Henry was staying in. I It looked for sure because he was very late to even turn to yeah. see it. Um, and he was locked into that, you know, uh, yeah, it, position it just, there. It just looked like they had some something going on with the pressure on the inside. Wynn's eyes started inside at the linebacker level to make sure that the blitzer wasn't coming from the second level. I think he thought maybe that Hunter Henry had it uh, with Brian Burns, or maybe he thought that Hunter Henry was going to hold that block a little bit longer and he was going to have more time to recover yep. to Burns. But Burns is so fast and explosive that with Burns, you kind of have to adjust a little bit, right? Your internal clock has to go a little bit faster. So it, it look, I, I think this offensive line has come a really long way since the beginning of the year. I, I think Isaiah Wynn still remains somebody that is a little bit of a, of a wild card every single week and every single play. You just don't really know if he's going to be the first round pick Isaiah Wynn that we've seen and flashes and droves really when he was healthy uh, over the last couple of years, or if he's going to be the guy that's been in a rut so far this season for the most part. So it's as a passing game as a whole, they just need to be more consistent. Cause like I said, they, they, they do hit on some plays, right? They do hit on plays down the field. They're pretty good on third down today. Uh, looking at it early, especially they end up six for 14, but it, it felt better at that at the beginning parts of the game when it was really a game. Uh, two for three in red zone trips. You know, Hunter Henry catches a touchdown pass so that they were a little bit more effective in situational football. I would say third down, red area. Uh, when Mac found a matchup or had a matchup, he was able to get the football there. But then you just have these these grenades, right? These these big mistakes with fumbles or interceptions or penalties or blown blocks and blown assignments, and and that's when you start to see that offense go backwards a, a little bit more than what you would like to. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, Nelson Aguilar did play today, correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm not that surprised that they didn't try to push it down the field to the receivers just because of the pass rush. They were they were really concerned about that. Uh, Aguilar didn't even have a target in this game. Not a target, nothing. You yeah. have honestly, you had four to Jacoby Myers, and Gilmore was in coverage on a couple. One ends in a pick. Yeah. He has one completion for eight yards, and then Kendrick Bourne had three for 34. He's the only one who flashed. Uh, outside of that, you know. I mean, you had Henry with two receptions, Janu with one for four, and that's it, my friends. The rest went to backs. Um, yeah. Stevenson, Bolden. This was this was twelve completions today. <laughs> this was, yeah. I mean, a really, run the, really run light the football, day. play good defense, and get out of there with a victory. That's what today was about, and that's what they were able to do. And look, like I said earlier, sometimes you got to just stack some of these wins together like this, right? Not every game is going to be 50-point outbursts for the offense. Not every game is going to be perfect when you have a rookie quarterback in the passing game. But if you can continue to beat teams that you should be, this Carolina team is is not in a good place right now, right? They're going in the wrong direction. So if you can keep beating these teams by just playing all three phases doing enough or defense playing dominant like it did today. And that will get you through the season and, and you start to get, start to talk and flirt with. Yeah. yeah look, it's you're not, wins. you're not wrong. There's no question about it. It can get you by um, and it can win you some games and it can, you can yeah. hover around 500 and beat teams that you, you know, that have flaws that you're supposed to beat. It's just simply a matter of ceiling for this season. You know, what is it? Is there, can it, can this offensive passing game reach another level? Um, yeah. where it's again, it's, it always comes down to, look, we asked the same question with Cam last year. If they're trailing, can they open it up and, and, and get back in a game? You know, right. and that's kind of what it comes down to is you can manage a game like this. Absolutely. And I think they played it the right way. Uh, but can you, can you put up the points when you need to? And I, you know, I, again, it's nine games. It's, it's, you're more than halfway through the season. I don't. I don't know yet. I, I. I don't know if we should be optimistic either. What do you think? Yeah, I. I don't know yet either because we have seen them throw the fall the ball well. I thought against Dallas they threw it well. I, you know, obviously against the Jets they threw it well, and you, you see these flashes and you see these moments. And, and Mac has certainly, on the whole, been been really good, uh, really good, especially when you curve it for a rookie quarterback, right? right. It's been very good. But I, I think what you worry about with this offense is they just don't – it doesn't feel like the coaching staff fully trusts this the entire operation in the passing game to really – I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's not that they're opening it up. I think that's kind of an oversimplification. But more so just – they played today not to lose and they were able to beat Carolina because the defense played extremely well and the Panthers are not a very good football team and Sam Darnold's not a very good quarterback. But when you're punting the ball on fourth and ones and you're handing it off to Brandon Bolden on third and 12 and you're doing these things that playing field position and all this kind of stuff, right? That, that that's playing in my mind, a very conservative brand of football and if they really felt like we can throw the football here and, and stomp on the throat, they would do it. But I don't think that they have that full confidence yet. Now, I think the other end of that, right, people are going to come back at me and say, well, 
if you're up 24 to six and what are you chancing it? Right. What's the point? So I, I get that too, but I don't know. I, we're all still waiting to see this offense except against the jets, right? We're all still waiting for to see this passing offense truly play a complete game, right? Where, yeah. where they actually beat a good defense or a good opponent by throwing the football and being productive consistently in the passing game and, and not just have it come and go in spurts. And maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe it has nothing to do with Mac. Maybe they don't trust the offensive line to block it, right? And, and, and keep Mac protected. And that's how you get turnovers is, is when there's pressure on the quarterback. So maybe it's that. I, I, I don't know. It could be a combination of all of them, but until they don't, until they go out there and do it against a team that's not the Jets, and I know the Jets have been pesky here the last couple of weeks, and they beat the Bengals a couple of weeks ago. But until you do it against a defense that's not the Jets, then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to answer these questions, right? You're gonna have to answer these questions and these concerns about the passing game as a whole. Yeah, um, yeah, no doubt about it. What else do you think you have? Uh... What else do you want to talk about as far as this game is concerned before I make the rest of it about uh, Odell Beckham? <laughs> well, it, it, was good, it was good to see the running backs be, be so productive, right? I mean, you yeah. run for that that sort of yardage, and then you also throw the ball to the running backs out of the backfield a little bit, and, and you're productive there. Then I think all of those things uh, are not necessarily – translatable I, I think Brandon Bolden looks good right I, I think he's looked a lot better is Brandon Bolden gonna gonna be this much of a, of a factor back every single week against every single defense I, I I don't know about that but what they've been able to do with this backfield assuming and hoping that Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris uh, are continue to be healthy and aren't actually seriously hurt at the end of this game they've they've found a nice mix of backs here right <laughs> sorry uh, J.C. Jackson quote just now. Sorry, I got caught. Uh, someone asked, can you take us through your pick six? J.C. Jackson's answer was, you can watch it on the internet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he is. Look, the, the defense balled out today. And That's I... what you get, by the way, young journalists out there, aspiring journalists, when you ask a talk about question. Okay? Yeah. Talk about this. No. To walk, yeah. walk us through that. No, yeah. just just watch it. Yeah, I look. <laughs> if I have to, this defense, I don't want to take anything away from the defense because they played great today. And you look at this pass rush, and you look at the uh, adapting to more zone. But and specifically, I, I look at guys like Barmore and Matt Judon just wrecking games in, in that front four, yeah. and being yeah. able to get pressure on Darnold with four guys. And, and as we know. Darnold is the type of quarterback that once you get him under pressure, he 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 really does turtle at that point, right? And he coughs the ball up, he turns it over, he makes some really boneheaded bad plays against pressure. And in the past, the Patriots have run zero package blitzes at him and, and things like that instead and really turned up the pressure yeah, by bringing ahead. extra rushers. Right. But now they're not doing that. Now they're dropping seven into coverage. They're rushing four. And guys like Barmore and Judon are able to win reps and get home. And, and that's the way that, that they're being more productive. I mean, they collapsed the pocket today a, a handful of times. I think they had four or five batted passes at the line of scrimmage from yeah. different guys just collapsing the pocket and getting in Darnold's hit in face. So, but when you're it, out there too, playing, 
when you're play, you're getting the, you're getting some pressure there, but also when you're throwing guys back in the zone and disguising coverages, and he doesn't know a quarterback yeah. like Darnold's just going to look at it, get confused, and then leave the pocket, which he did on a few occasions right. as well. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of uh, how it goes. And again, you wish you could play a Sam Darnold-like quarterback every week. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. You know, five and four right now. Uh, they have it. Who do we have next week? Back Cleveland. home against so, Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. who dropped a bomb on uh, Cincinnati today, uh, was surprising because that team looked like they were a mess um, playing without their guy, Odell, yeah. uh, who is now a free agent. And now what happens? We don't know. He's not a free agent. He's going through waivers. But right. early today, uh, Adam Schefter drops a little Schefter nugget. Uh, where he says, if Odell wanted the ultimate revenge, um, you know, if he wanted the ultimate revenge, you know that the that the Browns play the Patriots next week. That could be cute little, you know, wow, wouldn't that be something sort of stuff. Yeah. Schefter doesn't tweet a lot of things by accident. So yeah. I don't know what you thought about that. To me, I was like, he might know something without being able to say something yet. Um, and again, nothing is known because again, Beckham has to clear waivers, but with a $7.25 million price tag attached to a half season rental, who's not under control for next year. And yes, you'll get a, I think you get the way the deal is structured. You would get a compensatory pick. I don't know that anyone's taken a flyer on the waiver, so he's going to get to pick his destination. What do you think of all the questions? Does he still is he still enamored with the uh, Patriots situation? Because I know he was before when Brady was here. I know right. Bill Belichick is fond of him um, and his talents, uh, and I know he likes Bill Belichick also. But um, would he come here? Should he come here? How could this? Pl- how does this play out? So, I, because I think I think there's like a 95 percent chance he's going to be a Patriot because this is always how this stuff turns out. But that's yeah. how it was when Brady was here. I don't know what the new rules are. You know, if right. this were a Tom Brady Patriots team, Odell Beckham would already they'd be selling his jerseys at the pro shop. There's no question he'd be coming here. Right. So, look, I, I, I said this on Friday. I, I've been told that there is still a lot of mutual ad, admiration, mutual yeah. love, mutual whatever you want to call it, interest is what I called it in playing for Bill Belichick for Odell Beckham. And I've heard that Bill Belichick thinks very highly of Odell Beckham as a player. And although you look at in Cleveland, it maybe wasn't as clean as where, when he was kind of in his prime years there with the giants and going uh, for over a thousand yards every single season. He hasn't had a thousand yards since 19 now, but you see, the talent and his skill set in particular 
the win inside the slot, win outside, win after the catch, win at the break point at the top of the route, get open with your route running and your explosiveness. Those are the types of things that fit well here. And and then you also just add the game-breaking talent that he has. So when I kind of read all the tea leaves here, I, I do think that there's a possibility that this could happen. And he was on a special with, Cam Newton last offseason when Cam did that round table sit down thing with a bunch of his buddies and he was talking to Cam about how great it was to watch Cam play for the Patriots last year because the Patriots had Tom Brady before Cam and now all of a sudden they're running quarterback option plays and and and, and read option and QB designed runs and they're trying to do things and incorporate things to make Cam Newton thrive in their offense. That really wasn't built for a quarterback like Cam Newton, but they did their best from a coaching standpoint to adjust to Cam's strengths. And when I heard that, he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, that Belichick gets the best out of guys, right? He gets the, he puts them in the best position to succeed. He puts them in a role that they can be productive in. Except for John o. Smith and uh, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, but, fair yeah. enough. But he gets he gets the best out of guys. And I think that Odell is going to look at it and say, there's two things that could happen out of this, right? I could either go to New England and it could become a home for me and a place that I I can be a star again in, or I play really well in New England for seven games, reset my value and then get paid again next off season as a free, as a true free agent in the off season. So but why would he not go to a place like KC if that's the case, if resetting the value is something? Because that's a team yeah. in need of a number two receiver here, and obviously with a quarterback who um, can do a lot more than the Patriots quarterback can do. I don't see yeah. – if you come – forget about I, – I understand it for two reasons for the Patriots. Being well-coached and being in a position to be around professionals, which the Patriots are not the only organization that provides that, but – yeah. As a person who feels like he wasn't used right, being somewhere where someone would use, I agree with that. You know, they would utilize me. But to what end? What 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 would be the ceiling for Odell stats in New England given this passing offense? Six targets, four receptions, 60 yards. You know, like there's just not a lot of the pot. There's not a lot to go around here. It's just not. I mean, you have 12 completions were thrown today. So it's just not a a high-flying, high-octane offense. That's the downside. The plus side is he's not stealing targets from anyone. If he were coming to a situation where there's two and three other people that also need the ball, that could create problems. So anybody worried about Odell, the head case, I don't think it'd be a problem with that because I don't think he'd come in here and it'd be like, you know, why – I think he'd get his share of targets. I just don't – I still don't think it's enough for him. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess the way that I look at it, and maybe Mac Jones hasn't played up to this caliber over the last two weeks, but I, I still think if Odell is on this team that Mac Jones will get him the football. I'm not saying he's going to be a 10-15 high-volume target type of guy. But I still think if Odell's getting open, I think he's going to get the ball from Mac Jones, and Mac's got that the ability to put it on him. So I'm not necessarily – I think that it could be pretty high, the ceiling with the offense with Odell in it. And I think maybe more, more importantly than just the fact that Odell's – what his stats could produce and what he could go off on statistically is 
let's take the Cleveland Browns next week against the Patriots. They have Odell Beckham in the lineup on Tuesday when you go into your game plan meeting with your defensive staff, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you're saying, well, now we got to put Denzel Ward on Odell Beckham because they got Odell. So that means that Nelson Aguilar now gets the number two and Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers gets the number three and Hunter Henry isn't getting a top cover guy either. So he's got an advantageous matchup or the backs of the backfield are on linebackers. There's no doubt about that. You could theoretically draw a a top cover guy because you have to respect Right. So whether it's taking deep, you know, taking coverage with him, taking multiple guys with him in coverage, getting Denzel Ward or getting the top corner on the opposition every single week and clearing that out for Nelson Aguilar, that those types of things, uh, the domino effect uh, of Odell Beckham and just his name and his presence alone in the huddle, it it just puts your offense in a much better position because right now, if you want to have a big picture discussion about the Patriots offense, and I think we knew this coming into the season to a degree, even with the signings, it feels like everybody is is maybe up a peg of where they should actually be, right? It feels like Nelson Aguilar is a number two, Myers is a number three, but right now they're the Patriots one and two or boring, whatever kind of way you want to put that. No, you're fair. That's fair. And it feels like they don't have that number one guy, that true number one guy at the top to make everybody else fit in the pecking order in the proper way. And if they really want their passing game to be more productive than getting that guy in there, would really help. And I, Odell's also not the type of guy that needs to win on the deep ball, right? He's somebody that can win at the short and intermediate levels. He's somebody that can win after the catch. So you don't need to have these long drops and have Mac hold the ball for three and a half seconds to wait for him to uncover down the field necessarily. One of his best routes his entire career is just a three-step slant, right? Yeah, yeah. Right over the middle of the field and he takes it 75 yards. Gone. Right. 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 That, I mean, that's, that's prime. And, and that's, but, and that's in the Patriots playbook. Right. <laughs> you know, you're right. So uh, I think, uh, that's something that you kind of look at and, and you see and, and you hope that, um, he could just kind of improve the the overall pecking order of, of the passing game. But do they – I also kind of think in a lot of ways that Odell kind of needs the Patriots as much as the Patriots need Odell. You know, I think Odell needs to be with the right coach. I think he needs to be with, in the right offense because he had – reportedly he had some trouble with the Kevin Stefanski playbook and the type of offense that they run. So that probably rules out a lot of this Stefanski coaching tree, right? So like Green Bay or San Francisco or some of these other teams that run this same style of scheme. So uh, I think that there's a chance that this could happen. I, I really do. And I think it would be obviously great for us, but great for the Patriots offense as a whole, uh, just from a domino effect standpoint, even if Odell is not prime Odell Beckham Jr. I, I, I think no question about it. I think if you're the Patriots, uh, the, the risk reward, the, it's again, it, it, we, we've been through this before. The risk reward on a low cost flyer signing to see what the ceiling is, even if it doesn't yeah. work out, is really not a big deal. He's not coming in here and destroying culture. He's coming in here and trying to revamp a reputation. You shoot your way out of town somewhere. You're not going into the next place and causing a big fuss because right. it's just not going to work that way. So he's coming in on his best behavior, as you said, to, um, you know, rehabilitate his image and try to get paid once again and have some freedom. Um, so I think he'd be a good soldier a hundred percent here. And I, again, even him nowhere near the level that he was at peak Odell, 80, 80% of him 
is still probably the most dynamic receiver on the Patriots by a considerable margin. So um, I I don't even think it's a question mark if he's interested. And if there's a wink, wink, Bill, I'm coming sort of situation going here, um, which is, again, my mind always runs to the conspiracies and the, you know, if yeah. Schefter, if Schefter says it, I feel he might know something. He just can't say anything because he's not supposed to know anything because no one's supposed to know anything. He's not officially available yet. And we don't know how this is going to go. And of course, some team could claim him. People were asking again here, um, don't 14 teams get a shot at him ahead of the Patriots? Yes, absolutely. But I don't think the Patriots couldn't put a claim on him anyway, because they can't fit his salary into their books right now. They can only sign Odell if he clears waivers, is a free agent for some sort of really team-friendly deal, and they'd still have to move some money around to make it happen. So they're not putting a waiver claim on him straight up, I don't believe. Yeah. It, and I don't think any other, I'm, I don't think any other team is either, but you never know. Yeah, it, it's – look, I, it's one of those things where I, I tend to stray on the side of, of passing game production as more a product of offensive line and quarterbacks. And sometimes we get too caught up in the weapons conversation, right? Everybody wants the weapons because those are the fantasy football guys and those are the guys that that we know. And we, we, we might not have heard of the left guard on the team, but you've heard of Odell Beckham Jr., right? And I, I get that. But I think that there there's an overall – kind of confidence that a guy like that brings to the huddle. And, and I do think this offensive line, even though it still can have some improvements here or there, win I still think is a little bit shaky at left tackle. But the other four guys that they ha- are playing in the spots that they're playing in on Wendu right tackle and Shaq Mason at guard and obviously Karras at left guard, I, those four fists of the line have have sort of stabilized this thing as a whole. Yeah. And I feel a lot better with the line now uh, than we did a month ago. Now, is Wynn still not all the way there? Absolutely. But I, I, it's easy for us to sit here and and say that Wynn was at, to blame for the Brian Burns sack. We don't actually know what Wynn's assignment was. We don't know what the protection call was. We don't know if that's on Wynn or if it's on Henry or if it's on both guys. So when you have those protection breakdowns and it's not – Win was blocking his guy and he lost the block and it, Mac got sacked. It's hard to, to really know when you have those kind of communication call breakdowns who exactly is to blame. And, and like I said earlier in the show, Mac had an open receiver. He had Brandon Bolden open right in front of him and he held the ball for too long, especially against that kind of pass rush. So it, it's all, it's all marries up together and I, I have a tough time singling out Isaiah Wynn for the strip sack. I, I don't think that it was. Totally I'm not sure either. It didn't look play. like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to agree there. Uh, before we wrap, I think a couple just loose ends shout outs. I think yeah. um, a very good game um, by um, uh, Donta Hightower, who I know had been a target uh, yes. of people, um, you know, just because he has looked a step or two slower than last we saw him more than two, yeah. you know, two seasons ago. Jamie Collins didn't play a ton, but when he did, he made two huge impact plays. That yeah. interception that he made, I think there's one, wow. there's one or two humans on the planet that make that play and yeah. he's one of them. Um, yeah. So it's just incredible to see that level of like timing and athleticism. Brewski used to make plays like that. He was quick as a cat on that line to jump up and kind of hide and make that pick. But with Collins, I don't even think he was playing. I, he wasn't playing possum there. 
he just reacted that fast. He's that much of a freak athlete. So yeah. it's just in, an incredible play. Um, so when you get those flashes from him, I think that's great. Uh, any other odds and ends for you, Evan, before? Yeah, Hightower is an interesting one because I was actually going to write about him yeah. in my 10, uh, 10 things because Bill Belichick was really effusive with his praise last week of Dante Hightower. He's asked a question, generic question about Hightower this season. He talked about him being a field general and all this kind of stuff. And I think what we get too caught up in all the time with Hightower is, is him in coverage, right? Is him in space again. It's Christian McCaffrey. I mean, how many linebackers in the NFL besides maybe Fred Warner and Bobby Wagner can truly card Christian McCaffrey in space, right? I mean, he, the guy's unbelievable. So to try to ask him to go out there and get Christian McCaffrey covered and in a zone coverage or a short zone or whatever the case may be, the, the one that Barmore batted the pass down at the line of scrimmage and they had McCaffrey open on the wheel wrap. Also, Hightower is dropping into like a deep flat zone yeah. at, at 260 pounds. And then trying to take McCaffrey. So in a lot of ways, I look at that and I say, well, is that really on Hightower that they're asking him to go out there and, and, and guard Christian McCaffrey in that much green grass? I mean, they, they're asking for trouble with that from a coaching perspective. So right. when he's at his best and he had made some really good plays in the run game and he had a couple pressures as well as a pass rusher as when he's attacking. And I thought Bill Belichick said it perfectly. You know, Hightower is a thumper. He is not a space player. He's not a coverage linebacker. He is a thumper. And when he stands out in the run game and he stands out in the pass rush, that's when that, that's what Dante Hightower does best. So I have, always have a tough time of getting on Hightower for the coverage stuff because uh, w- when he gets dropped, when he gets put into coverage and they give him difficult coverage assignments, they're asking a lot out of the guy for a, a guy that that is a big dude that's not really known to be a super athlete. And I think that that's a big reason why Jamie Collins is here to begin with is because they can pull Bentley or they can pull Hightower off the field in some of these passing situations and put a more athletic guy on the field in Jamie Collins and still have the size at the linebacker level to take care of some other things. Yep. Um, so a couple interesting things there. The other interesting thing is out of nowhere here, and again, this is what makes some of those early season giveaway losses so frustrating right now, is Buffalo drops to 5-3 and three with yeah. a shocking loss to Jacksonville, and the Patriots are 5-4. and four. They haven't played the Bills yet this season uh and again this is where you're going to look at Miami and you're going to look at a couple of those games where they absolutely could have should have would have you know won uh Dallas uh Tampa even uh and just think oh even one of those right now and you'd be in a lot better place so their margin for error is still extremely small but obviously the needle is uh pointing up uh now after um you know uh you know a couple of you know, a couple of giveaways in those games where they kind of maybe sort of, um, you know, should have been able to win. Uh, they've won three straight games now. They've got Cleveland, which again is a winnable game for sure next week back in Foxborough. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and then after that, you're at the Falcons. And again, that's another one where, you know, these are games that you can, and I'm not going to say should. I don't think the Patriots necessarily should beat anyone yet. These are both right. winnable games here. And so, um, five and four now. If you're able to move to seven and four, uh, before you take on the Titans, who are currently tied for the uh, AFC lead, you're in the ball game. So again, they they, they got to keep stacking these up here uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna keep the momentum going. Um, yeah, really quickly on the Bills, actually, though. Um, yeah. 
But so Buffalo, according to Football Outsiders, has one of the toughest remaining schedules in the league right now yep. because yep. they're playing that remember the whole the first place schedule, right? You win the division and then you get all the good teams the next year. And Buffalo has a very loaded. They have yeah. a, a pretty hard schedule coming up. They have to play the Patriots twice, as as you mentioned. So the division, right, they're one game back. In the, it's very much in play right now. It's very much in play. I, I think Buffalo is the better team. I think they're more ready to, to compete and win division titles right now than the Patriots and, until Mac matures a little bit. But still, at the end of the day, five and four and five and three. I mean, the Patriots are one game out of the division with two games to go against Buffalo and a pretty – difficult schedule down the stretch here for the Bills. And you mentioned Cleveland. Uh, this is a really, really interesting game to me because the Browns can kill can you run, in the trenches. They, they can run yeah. it down your freaking throat. And they can rush and on they can the get other after side. It, yeah. Right. So the Patriots have been able to control the trenches the last two weeks, and that's a real big reason why they've beaten the Chargers and the Panthers. Let's see what it looks like against a team that is committed to run the football because I, I I still don't think the Patriots have played. I guess they played Dallas, but you know Dallas threw the ball a lot against the Pats that in that game. They haven't played a team that that has gone out there and said we're going to run the ball forty times today because we know we can. And even if we give up, you know, even we get stopped a couple of times early or whatever, it doesn't matter. We're going to keep running the football and commit themselves to run the football and they are going to go up against that in Cleveland next week. And Cleveland can really take advantage of some of the things on the offensive line that the Patriots have still had issues with. So it's going to be a really good game, a really good litmus test for the Patriots in the trenches has this run defense. That's been much, much better this year, really taking a next step, right? Can they go ahead and stop Nick Chubb and one of the best rushing attacks in the league? And obviously can they block miles Garrett and company too? So a trenches game next week for sure. Yep. Uh, last uh, couple of odds and ends here. Uh, Jamie Collins, we talked about that interception, it, and it didn't look like he was sitting back in coverage. He was asked about it. He was, in fact, rushing the passer on that interception. Yeah, just instincts. Yeah. And and uh, someone asked him, how'd you do it? And he said, I don't know how I do stuff. I just do it. So that's in running for the best quote of the day next to J.C. Jackson's. He's, go, he's actually go, responded go to my, <laughs> my football nerd questions like that before. I think sometimes when you're uh, such a freaky athlete like Jamie Collins is it's difficult to put into words how you do things right yeah. you did your but body just used to doing it right yeah, yeah. exactly and it's, and then it's you can really count on doing freaky things so you right. you approach things differently if you know you're a ninja you know you can rely on your ninja skills when you're in certain yeah. situations and Collins is very much like that yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's a freaky athlete for sure. He's a freaky athlete. So, uh, again, as Evan mentioned, uh, check out clnsmedia.com, our, our new revamped website. Evan will have a write-up there uh, momentarily on today's game, uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, all our other post-game coverage, uh, in addition to all of our Celtics coverage, our Celtics post-game, uh, stuff from Bobby Manning. I know he just posted something to the site recently about Marcus Smart and what's going on behind the scenes there. It's a pretty interesting read. Um, and then, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel patriots press pass follow us on twitter patriots clns uh to be notified for all of our updates when we go live we're back with patriots beat live on tuesday but we'll have a ton more stuff um 
popping out on the YouTube channel and our, uh, and, and, uh, CLNS media website, uh, throughout the, uh, you know, evening and into tomorrow as well. So lots of new stuff. And then check out Evan. He's going to have his film review and film study coming up as well, uh, which is a must read, must watch, uh, situation. So, um, that's it for us, Evan. Thank you. Uh, congratulations to Evan Lazar's sister who was married this weekend. That's yes. very nice. Mr. Congrats. and Mrs. Putney finally uh, got them hitched. They had to propose, postpone their wedding because of COVID the first time. So two and a half years after the engagement, we finally, we finally did the thing last night. So it was great. That's excellent. So congratulations yes. there. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and we will talk to you guys later.